Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. We've got Hank here. We've got Jake Schwanitz here. And we are going to be diving into just some of our like wish lists, you know, the, the free agents we'd like to see the Broncos pursue, uh, NFL draft targets we'd like to see them pursue. We're going to talk a little bit about Daniel Jeremiah's most recent top 50, as well as the 100, uh, top 150 from PFF. First things first, how is everybody doing? How is everybody enjoying this combine so far? I feel like the, the coverage is, has been relatively entertaining from what I've seen. Yeah. I mean, it's just nice to have something to turn on. I guess uh, yesterday, it was weird. Typically, they, they start in like the morning and go all day. But yesterday, they started just at like 6 o'clock or something, which I thought was really dumb. But other than that, I'm having a great time. Right. Yeah, that was the weird part for me was everything going on in the evening. I was not expecting to uh, spend so much of my evening devoted to Combine News. Uh, but nevertheless, here we are. Yeah, it's just nice to be able to sit here and have something on the TV all day. I struggle with what to put on the TV all day when I sit here and work. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, we're going to save most of our combine analysis for next week because we're just really getting started here. We, I, I kind of wanted to dip my toes into it, though. So, Hank, what is just kind of one takeaway you have from the combine thus far? I mean... Uh, Malik Willis kind of stole the show. I feel like I feel like that's uh the the big one. I think in terms of the quarterbacks in general, like Malik, sure he didn't necessarily put the ball where it should be, but he did put it really really far away from where he threw it. So he seems to be a riser here. Not surprised he decided not to run the forty. You know, for a fast quarterback, it just doesn't make sense to do that because the time can only be disappointing compared to everybody else. Um, so. I, I bet he'll say he'll do it at the pro day and then tweak a hammy or something and then just not run one and leave us wondering. That's what Kyler Murray did. It's going to be the same thing. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, Desmond Ritter in the 40. What was that? It was that four or five flat, right? I mean, that's yeah. a that, that's a really good time for him. And there's still all the complaints, accuracy to the sideline, that sort of stuff. But I, I, I don't know. I, to me, what he's, I think I had him quarterback four last time around. I think that that, that might get him up there with Corral for quarterback three. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I had, I think I had Ritter around four also. Um, and yeah, thinking about moving Willis and him up. Um, but it's just, it's so tough with this class. Going back to the combine though, um, <clears throat> looks like they may have to lay new turf in Indianapolis because the receivers just absolutely tore it up yesterday. Uh, eight guys under four, four, which is a new record. Uh, we had a guy, can you, someone give me the guy from Baylor. What's his name? I, I forget his name already. Like Ty something Johnson, maybe <laughs> something, but uh, Tyquan Thornton. Uh, there we we had a, a threatening the combine record of John Ross's record of 422. Uh, that was it's always fun, it's always fun to watch the fast guys run. So, anybody you were surprised? I mean, we talked Chris Olave was one of the guys that I know specifically we mentioned as a probably a combine riser just because he's such a fluid runner, a good athlete. He definitely had a nice showing, uh, ran like a four, three, something him and Garrett Wilson, both were, were both blazing, but it, it's just interesting to see these receivers and, and just how many talented ones there are. And I know we've had this conversation a million times and kind of talked about the value and like how in some ways it, the conversation has become very similar to running backs. Like they're just, they're so easy to go out and pick up. And I think we're seeing, with the way that NFL teams are operating, like the Cowboys and Amari Cooper, for instance, you know, it's reported that they're going to move on from him and his $16 million deal. He's a stud and I get it, but also it's, you know, if you're upset, I, I get it, but there's just so many good young receivers out there. Now you can replace them so easily. It feels like. 
Right. It's funny you say that. I think back to uh, a couple of years ago when Broncos country was all in a tizzy over which wide receiver to draft at 15 and just how big of a debate that was between Ruggs, Judy and Lamb. And it's like you look back now and it's like, did it It really didn't matter that much? Because one, you know, all three of those guys could have played. Of course, the Ruggs thing happened. But then it's like every year there's at least five to ten more dudes that are like, oh, I love this guy. I want him on the Broncos. Yeah. I mean, that's just the world we live in. Uh, at least until there's one of these classes that's disappointing. I think like in the big picture of this draft class, people are unexcited because there's no quarterbacks and there's other stuff at play too, though. I mean, if Kayvon Thibodeau does what we expected him to do this season, makes himself like a clear top non quarterback, like we expected before the season that changes things. Um, if Derek Stingley thinks that then all of a sudden he could have been an elite prospect. Um, the, the tackles I think are going to grow on people. Um, but then also, I think we just forget how freaky these receivers are because we've had what this is the third straight class where there's just five, six, seven receivers who seem like they're just going to be stars when they get on the field. Real quick, just off of that, it, does it surprise you guys that Denver decided to re-sign Sutton and Patrick seeing now what the, the Cowboys are doing and just kind of based off this conversation we're having here? I mean you could have probably gone out and got a young receiver to, to replicate the, the type of production that you're getting from, you know, one of these guys. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you have the money. Why not just run it back? Like those are your two best receivers and it isn't all that close at this point. Jerry Judy, you'd hope would be right there. Um, but, but to me, Tim Patrick, like, yeah, he's your number two receiver. He could also be surpassed by Jerry Judy or KJ Hamler. And you're kind of giving them the opportunity to do that. And, and so I do like how it's structured. It does cross your mind, though, when you have this much money. Like, why not double what you paid Tim Patrick and just go get Amari Cooper? Yeah, I mean, I was my mindset throughout the whole season was that they got to choose between Sutton and Patrick. Yeah. Um, and I was honestly quite surprised that they re-signed both. But I think you look at the, the situation the team is in with the quarterbacks. You know, you've got all these big names, Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, potentially available. I think it makes sense, though, to kind of bolster up your weapons and just say, hey, look at our cabinet here. We're filled to the brim with all these guys that can catch the football for you. Uh, then get the quarterback, then just kind of deal with it after that. And the Broncos aren't in a position where they need to be making tough choices. Like if you get a good player, just keep him. It's kind of that simple at this point. You're not up against the cap. Like, I mean, we saw how that turned out with Shaq Barrett, where it's like they could have just gotten him instead of having all this cap space that they wanted. And sure, they would have been a little bit heavy at the edge position, but turns out that would have been just fine. And, and that's what you see with the, the Vikings, right? The way that they run. If they have a player who's good, they're just going to give him the contract. They're just going to keep him around. They don't let those guys hit the market and then go try to find others. And I think that when, when you're in this situation where, you know, your back isn't up against the wall, you're not forced to make tough decisions, don't don't just make a tough decision anyway. Fair enough. My, uh, my combine takeaway is uh, that th there, we're seeing a lot of people really rave about this tight end class, which was kind of be to be expected. I mean, we talked about it at the senior bowl, probably the deepest position group there. A lot of these guys are shining. Trey McBride decided not to run. Um, Honestly, I don't blame him. Again, it's kind of like, what really, what does he have to gain there? It, it can really only kind of go wrong. Obviously, he goes out and torches it, then it's really going to help his cause. But I imagine he'll run at the pro day, or, or maybe he won't. Maybe he'll you know, do some private workouts for teams. There's kind of a lot of deceptiveness with this, a lot, especially with the guys that you know have a little bit more control over their process. I will say, though, I love the Combine, but I, I think it's easy to get caught up in just the underwear Olympics of it all. And, and, you know, we got to remember with some of these guys, can they actually play football? And, and this isn't a shot at any of the other tight ends that are, you know, kind of starting to get some shine. You know, the, the kid from UCLA Dolchich, I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name, right. He's starting to get, you know, a, a ton of love and he's a great athlete and I get it, but there's a reason that Trey McBride won the Mackey. Go watch him at the senior bowl. Go watch him actually play football. I don't care how fast he is in his underwear. I just don't care. At the same time, though, like it was a good UCLA offense and he was a key piece of that work in the middle. Him and Kyle Phillips really worked well together. But yeah, I, I mean, my takeaway is there's a lot of good tight ends and I'm not sure like again, like Trey McBride is probably like a fringe first rounder. Um, probably more likely he winds up in the second, in my opinion, at this point. Um, but I do think that when you look, there's like 
three, four, five guys who you could see going in the second who you'd be like, yeah, that's that's a good deal. There's another three, four, five in the third round where you're like, yeah, that's a pretty good deal. So I do think that this is like a really deep class. I still think that you're missing um, that. Like like there's there's no Kyle Pitts or, or even like a TJ Hawkinson was like a top half of the first round type of guy. It's it's honestly like a lot of these other classes. We look at the edge rushers where it's just like, it's not a true just number one guy. Um, cornerback potentially kind of the same thing. You don't have your Jalen Ramsey. Um, what based off of what though? Based off you mean just like testing measurables and and stuff like that. Like consensus, I think he means right. Yeah, I, I think that's a general consensus. And then I mean, you look at you definitely like Trey McBride's production. And I think on top of that, like it's his catch radius that that you really like, especially with those bad quarterbacks. You, it's it can be hard to to use a tight end correctly. And, and the fact that he was making plays regardless of where the ball was put, he didn't need to be hit in stride. I think that's a good thing. But then, I mean, if, if you're drafting Trey McBride, it does cross your mind. Like there is Jalen Weidemeyer right there who sure he wasn't as good, but for sure. a couple inches taller and bigger and stronger. There's Dulcich who comes from that UCLA offense. that was electric and he's probably more receiver than tight end, but it, it, with the speed there, you could project him out. And again, I, I still have Trey McBride as tight end one, but, there is, I, I, I think that this turned out to be a pretty solid, deep group. It did. And it, it's then. probably so deep that it hurts, you know, like it, it, in a less deep group, Trey probably has a better chance of going first round. I think he's first round talent. Again, though, I think if you look at him, you know, and, and if you like three or four of these guys, that's probably going to hurt his cause because they're like, yeah, we could probably get one of these other guys, you know, between 40 and 50, though. And mm-hmm. You know, that it'll be interesting to see what Denver does at 40, you know, for instance, like if Trey McBride was was sitting there, would they take the the hometown kid? But I, I don't know. I just wanted to, to point it out that I understand that, you know, I, I get caught up with some of this stuff as well. You know, you see some of these receivers like, oh, my God, I should take him over someone. Sometimes we just got to remember, you know, what did they do on the actual football field? Trey McBride, incredible football player, same measurables as George Kittle, like basically almost exact. He got another three quarters of an inch yesterday, which, which yeah, is big for him. Uh, like compared to the senior bowl. I, I'm going to say this. I think the senior bowl measurement was more accurate mm-hmm. having been around him. And I was looking at pictures of us together and I was like, Hmm, <laughs> he's not that much taller than me, but Hey, it worked out in his favor. Yep. And, uh, you know, no, real hate. quick, real quick. And we can move on if you want, but I think what we're seeing with McBride is just, <clears throat> a little bit of prospect fatigue. I mean, there was yep. realistically, yes. there was no way that his stock could go up after the season. Cause he was already, like you said, Justin, he run the Mackey award. I think a lot of people that paid attention to like college football and draft prospects in November and October realized that he was the best tight end uh, that's draft eligible. And it's just kind of like a foregone conclusion that his stock could only fall from there just because he was already yep. so high, highly regarded by so many people. When when all you have is what these guys did on the field, that was going to be when Trey McBride was at his highest point. Right. As soon as you start factoring in, like, here's your 40 time, here's this stuff, that's when other guys have a chance to catch up. And it's like the senior bowl, you know, where it matters, but it doesn't matter as much as it feels like it matters in the 10 days after the senior bowl. And then things kind of mellow back out. And it's the same thing where there's going to be combine overreactions and then people will be kind of properly placed. And a lot of that comes down to like, oh, Kuiper and his sources say that this guy's actually here. And so you get what the teams say on top of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, good point. you guys, really good you guys have talked me down, but I just, <laughs> I don't know. I saw, I don't even know if this is accurate. I just saw a tweet that said that Daniel Jeremiah had McBride as his tight end four, And I'm just like, I'll, I'll listen to a debate if you want to say he's tight end two based on some of these other guys, but you are not going to sell me on there. Three tight ends better yep. than Trey McBride. Another um, thing with McBride is like what he's good at is just going and catching the football. Like there's the clip of him out, like when the high point drill, when they have him yeah. in a tight area, got to tap your feet. That's the type of stuff that he's good at. And it's kind of tough to quantify that. You know, that's what Tim Patrick's good at too. You can look at all how you'd measure Tim Patrick, but he goes up and he catches the ball and he puts his feet down and he doesn't drop it. And that sort of thing, again, was most important after the season for better or for worse. Well, let's get into some of these lists then, because I, I kind of you know started to talk about it there. Uh, Trey McBride not in Daniel Jeremiah's top fifty anymore. He dropped out. Um, Dolchich, the the UCLA kid, comes in at forty seven. 
What stands out to you about this DJ list, Jake? I mean, he's got Aiden Hutchinson at one, EK Ikwanu at two. We've seen his stock rise. Um, Evan Neal looked kind of skinny at the at the <laughs> combine. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting to see how this whole tackle. I don't even know what to call it. It's like musical chairs. We just keep shifting between all of them. No, it's Evan Neal. No, it's Aquanu. No, it's him. What stands out most of you guys? I'm going to kind of stay in the top 10 here. One, he has Garrett Wilson all the way up at six, which I just thought was interesting. Kind of compared him to Stefan Diggs. And then just how much linebacker love DJ has for a lot of these guys. I mean, Trevon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Nicobe Dean. Uh, if you want to consider uh, KT and then Aiden Hutchinson too, that's six linebackers in the top 10. Uh, so, you know, for a team like Denver, of course, who has a need to edge and a need to inside, that's really good to see. Yep. And then Jermaine Johnson's 11. So. Yep. Uh-huh. And again, like, not not that I don't think he's a good prospect, but there's been a lot of Jermaine Johnson love recently that... I don't like, get it. just like, oh, okay. You know, Trayvon Walker's at 10. And you're like, oh, okay, that's that's where we're at now. Like, maybe we need to go back and rewatch. Um, I do like having Devin Lloyd in the top 10. He's kind of all over on a bunch of these lists, but I do think that's right. Thibodeau at seven blows my mind. I think he, he's got to be running and stuff today, I believe. So so we'll get a good look at that. But Thibodeau at, at seven just boggles my mind. Um, you mentioned the tackles. Kyle Hamilton still at number three. I, we don't talk about him much because he's always just penciled in right there in that same spot in all of these. And I think mm-hmm. that that's really notable. Um, yeah. And then last point uh, was, oh, Garrett Wilson at six, you know, after the, how these receivers yeah. ran yesterday, I was on that Broncos show today. I, I think at the beginning of the season, we were looking at the two Ohio state guys as the two best receivers in this draft. Um, I think after they both ran like a four, three, eight, four, three, nine, they're probably, they're probably with Olave and Garrett Wilson, the two best again, in my mind, Drake London, as much as I hate to say it, probably number three. Yeah, he's hurt. He is hurt. I mean, is he still hurt? I, I mean, he's not running. He's he'll be back for the pro day. I bet. I mean, we've we've talked about before though. It's a broken bone, man. It's not anything that's gonna. This isn't long term or anything. Once he heals, I expect him to be exactly like he was last year. Yep, it is kind of scary because he does have just like that pure, like basketball body. Real quick, I actually saw a comp for him that I thought was really interesting. I saw someone call him Mike Evans. Yeah, I think I, I I I see some of that. I think at the same time, there's more like more slot like open versatility, field, right? more more underneath yeah. versatility um, than with Mike Evans. And obviously, Mike Evans, if you're Mike Evans, you're very happy with that comp. Uh, like that's a very good football player. If that's a one of the top five receivers. At the same time, it's like I he's a little bit he's a little bit bulkier. You know, he's right. more he's. Mm-hmm. He's not as much of a basketball player, but I do think there's some similarities there. A little young Mike Evans, I could see it a little bit more because young Mike Evans right. used to do more, you know, between the sticks than he than he does nowadays. Which True. is now, you know, it's all just kind of stretching the field or or red zone stuff. Um, final thing on Daniel Jeremiah, at least from me, Kenny Pickett, his QB one, twenty eighth overall, um, down all the way from ten on his first list. And Malik Willis has QB two at thirty two, so and he he comes up from thirty four on the first list. So an, a nice, nice little jump for Malik Willis, like we talked about. Anything else you guys want to talk about with DJ before we talk about the uh, the PFF top one fifty? Um, I don't think just so. On the quarter, quarterbacks, real quick: Corral at thirty four, Howell at forty seven. I mean, if anyone takes a first round quarterback, we're considering it a reach, right? <sighs> Top half of the first round is a reach. Yeah, okay. I think I think quarterbacks are always going to get marked up. If, if you're right. taking Malik Willis at 15, 16, 17, I'm I'm cool with that. It's just going to be so weird. It's I don't it. It's odd to not expect a, a QB to go top ten and, and feel pretty confident about it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird year. Some somebody's going to take one though. That's like the some, thing though is like somebody somebody's going to reach somebody because it's just it happens. Like at, yep. maybe not top ten, but eleven, twelve. Where uh, would Justin Fields get... have gone last year if there weren't three quarterbacks better than him? Last year he's first overall. Yeah, exactly. And it's like this isn't Justin Fields, but if we're calling Malik Willis QB six in that draft, 
I would have bumped right. him up to, to number 11 or whatever. So and it's just the way it works. Like it is, it's half how good are these quarterbacks and half who needs a quarterback. And because of that, you're going to, I think you do get one in the top 10. Yeah. Not, not to get too off topic, but man, I think if you're the Broncos, I think you try and bait that ninth overall pick to the Steelers and have them take Malik Willis there because you can get some really good capital. Just so if you can get the 20 back or wherever they're picking uh, the Steelers, that's sure. a really good deal. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you might have three top 50 picks all of a sudden. Exactly. They're loaded. All right, let's talk about the uh, the PFF top 150. Mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson, their number one. Kyle Hamilton, two. Stingley, three. Thibodeau, four. So a little bit more on the uh, the line of Henry's thinking. But their tackle number one is Charles Cross. Aquanu, their tackle number two, six overall. Then Evan Neal, um, Drake London, top 10. What stands out the most to you guys about the PFF list? I think you hit it with the, with the tackles is the first thing you look at. Charles Cross is the best tackle. And this was... No, this wasn't my list. I had Cross, Neil, Ekwonu when we did our tackle preview. Um, but especially when it's pro football focused, you know, they're looking more at the tape and, and how they performed in college. And that adds up, right? Because he's kind of the, the sharper, polished guy. Ekwonu is, he's actually running his 40 right now. And he's, he's a very good athlete. And you could see how he could turn out to be a freak, but maybe there's just a tiny bit more projection there in my opinion. Um, but definitely notable that this is the order that they go in, in, in this list. This is, this list is just so on brand for PFF. It I is. think, uh, starting with Charles cross at, at, the, at five and being the first tackle, that doesn't surprise me at all for PFF. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, all the receivers up here, not surprising. Um, and then the running backs, I think Brees hall was their first one and he's like way down here, but they've got, They've got a lot of love for some guys who uh, made some noise at the senior bowl that I thought was interesting. Jalen Petrie, the uh, safety out of Baylor, Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Um, and then they have uh, Desmond Ritter up at 32 above Matt Corral and some of the other guys. So uh, just it's, it's just, it's so on brand for PFF. <laughs> yep. You know, Jordan Davis there at 39, a guy who right. we've talked about going top 10. We've been seeing him slip on a lot of these lists. I think he was like 17 on Daniel Jeremiah's right around there. Um, again, interesting. This pro football focus one is probably based the least on what NFL teams are saying behind the scenes, um, which again is probably something worth noting. But the fact that he's down there is it makes you rethink some things, right? Because he might just be that big clogger in the middle. And how valuable is that really when you could get a franchise left tackle or and a freak edge rusher or sauce gardener or something in the top 10? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on record and and just put it out there. I'm not saying necessarily I think it should happen. I'm saying I think it will happen. Desmond Ritter is going to get drafted before Matt Corral. I I can Mm. definitely see that. Yeah, definitely see that. I just I and it it I'm I feel like Ritter's going to end up being that guy that potentially sneaks into like the end of the first round, and we're all sitting there like, huh. And like well, it'll make sense because he's safe and he's tested well and he interviews well and he's a starter and he ran the four or five. Like he just he has everything where you can look at it and be like, all right, like we can give this a shot. I just I don't know. There's just something about him that just doesn't excite me. Lack of accuracy to the boundaries and some missed deep balls. But I mean, I, he's still my quarterback three. I, I mean, if there's three that go in the first round, I mean, it'd be between him and Howell for that third spot probably. And I'm leaning Ritter for sure. The, Denver took him at 40. How would you feel? Really good. Ritter? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd be, I'm with Really that. good. Uh, real quick though, that I think at 32, just the, because of who holds that pick being the Lions and because of just history, what we've seen at that pick, it's like a 100% chance that a quarterback gets picked in that spot now, right? Just because you combine this class, how they're not exactly all... Uh, given the franchise QB tag off the top, it's a lot of uh, kind of, well, he's got this you can work with. He's got this. I think you that still want that fifth is... year if you have a shot at exactly. it. That's exactly it. Yep. Uh, my yeah, last going to be Howell or, uh, or Ritter. Go ahead, Hank. Yep. I'm sorry. Or Corral in there too. Or maybe Carson Strong. Who knows? All of those guys, it's still competitive. I think that's anybody's, anybody's guess what order. Um, 64 though, Troy Anderson. We've talked about him a lot. Typic, I mean, early on talking about him as a potential late round guy and just climbing and climbing as we expected. 
And this combine is going to be big for him the, the, to put numbers on the athleticism. But he's one of those hybrid players who... It's, and could he be Luke Keekley? There's a chance. Could he, if you wanted to turn him into Taysom Hill, you could probably do that too. And so when you just look at the possibilities with him, Andy's going to test well. Andy has all the, the stuff on his resume. I think that the, the upside there is going to get somebody to, to jump. And I like 64 for him. 55 to 65 is, is classic DNVR draft pod people. It's got my J Sanders, Chad Muma. <laughs> yep. Uh, Kennard, Darian Kennard of Kentucky, Trey McBride, Troy Anderson, Carson Strong. Like those, <laughs> those are guys we've been selling for two and a half years now. You got George Pickens, Pickens at 59, too. Justin Ross, 61. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brandon Literally, Smith, like, who was my big guy at 62. Like they, they uh, should have had to write us a check for that section of the list. Just like put a little DNVR logo there. <laughs> I feel like my takeaway every year on this podcast is like load up on picks at the end of the second round, early third. There's going to be so many guys that you really like. And then the Broncos wind up with a few picks there and then they take somebody totally different. I'm like, oh, Cause that's when the guys that we nerd out go over. It's the guys that have produced for a couple of years, but maybe don't necessarily test as well, you know, or guys that test as well, but don't, you know, necessarily have the consistent production. It's mm-hmm. just, that's, that's where the, the draft Knicks really yeah. get, get it. Um, All the crushes who have flaws. Exactly. <laughs> You're still in just love like with us. Them. You know, we we're we're not perfect, but, we love each other nevertheless. <laughs> um, when Covington and Masvidal step into the octagon this Saturday at UFC 272, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, has a knockout offer for new customers. Bet $1 on the main event, get $100 in free bets. No matter what, first round knockout, you get paid. Majority draw, you get paid. Double knockout resulting in a no contest ruling. Yep, you get $100 in free bets. No matter what, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, Deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNBR. Throw down just $1 on the UFC 272 main event. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That code DNBR this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, 1-800-522-4700. Ranch Rider Spirits was launched in 2019. It started at a food truck in Austin, Texas. Now it's a premium spirit-based seltzer brand. The, the employees own it there. It's a really cool structure for the company. And they were the first to put ranch water, the iconic Texan beverage, in a can. Uh, like I said, they use premium spirits. That includes like Reposado tequila, uh, six-time distilled vodka, sparkling water. They have fresh squeezed citrus that they include, and they don't use any added sugars or artificial preservatives. No sugar, no shit. After only two years on the market, they've established themselves as one of the top 10 fastest-selling alcohol brands in the country. If you want to check out Ranch Rider Spirits, which you absolutely should, pick up your own Ranch Rider at ranchriderspirits.com. Find a location near you. Dope cans too. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I see a, a drink and it, if it has like a cool aesthetic with the artwork and I like it, I'm like 80 times more likely to buy it than if it has a lame, lame design. Definitely. Ranch There's a bunch it. of good drinks. The, the margins get slim. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta wow me. And they, they, they bring their A game. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, let's, uh, let's get into this. This was kind of like a combination yeah. of, of your idea and Henry's idea, but it's, it's basically like, a wish list of Broncos free agents, NFL free agents, and then college free agents. So where, how do you guys want to start this? Should we just start with who do we want Denver to keep? I think that's the way we start here. Um, <clears throat> the way I did it, I didn't factor in restricted free agents. So I hope you guys kind of did the Me same. Neither. Just assume okay. they slap like a second round tender on exactly. Blake Reed and he's still around. Yeah. So, cause he would have been at the top of my Broncos FAs, but I put a little star next to him. Cause you can um, just get He's just yours. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So then I'm going to start I off. I consider that I messed up, but I can change it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> he was my number he's, one. So I was like, oh. <laughs> he's old, but man, Kareem Jackson, I think, can still play. Um, and without him, I think they have a bigger hole in the secondary than most many people would believe. Um, it's not, you know, it's not exciting to bring back a guy that's 
35 years old plus and relies on his physicality so much. But I just think that he's been such a good player for this football team and that losing him will see may if you lose him and don't replace him adequately, you'll you'll definitely notice that he's gone for sure. He's still playing at a high level, man. Like I would be much more hesitant if we had seen more inconsistencies or, or drop offs. But I mean, he already took the pay cut to stick around. We know he loves Denver. I think at this point, after kind of experiencing how the market treated him last time, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be as difficult, I guess, to get him back. I think if you offer him a deal, he'll stick around. Good value, good leader, still playing really high quality football. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hey, could um, you? Do Do you want to go through your whole plan? Should I? Should I do my? I feel like that's just go, yeah, my just other get, guy too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the other guy we, I wrote down was. Teddy Bridgewater then just, I mean, not even as a starting quarterback, but just, I think you need to keep him on the roster. Um, I, my opinion on Drew Locke is, I think been talked about quite a bit on this podcast. I'm not the biggest fan. And I think that just Teddy, uh, the plan, if he goes into this year as the starter, it obviously something went catastrophically wrong, but I think you still need him on the roster regardless. um, Just as kind of stabilizing force in case, you know, shit does hit the fan. So. What is the max that you are willing to give Teddy? Because Teddy's going to have interest because he's, he's probably... 20. Uh, yeah. 20? Oh, I, man. See... And that's where, it, go, that's where it gets tough because I, I think he will, he'll get offered that because there's nobody on the market. It's Mariota and him and Andy Dalton and... Yep. I, well, that's, yeah. And when that's I was true, looking I mean, through, I didn't even consider Teddy. Like, I get where you're coming from for sure, but... Well, we'll get to mine in a second. I basically narrowed it down to three guys who are tough to choose from, but Teddy's it's expensive. Just, yeah, if we if you get into that $20 million number, man, that makes it really tough for me. Um, so what's so, your ceiling? Uh, well, you know, considering the Broncos have cap space, I'd be prepared to go as high as like 12, 12 and a half. I, I think okay. 15 is really where I cut it off. Um, okay. you know, I, I think you need to pay for a backup quarterback, especially someone like Teddy. If you, if you want him to stay and you want him to be a backup, I think you're still gonna have to pay him, you know, pretty handsomely. I think 15 says floor on the open market with how little options there are. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. he's even we'll necessarily worth it. I think it's just a more of matter of who's available. Now, if Deshaun Watson gets dealt, if, Russell Wilson gets dealt. If Aaron Rodgers gets dealt, then all of a sudden it's kind of a different situation. And then we kind of see like, you know, who who's in need now, you know, what's it look like, but with the current right. teams that need quarterbacks, I just, in the current the, the, opinion on the, the draft class, I don't, I don't, he's going to get paid somewhere. The thing though, if you retain Teddy is you also, you keep an asset though. Like if say you do manage to get like a Rodgers or a Watson or someone, I feel like Moving. you can, yeah, you can dish off Teddy Bridgewater. And if you get him for like around 15 per year, I think that's definitely something that'll be attractive for someone like, uh, oh God, I don't know, the commanders or someone who's just like really looking for a quarterback. You know, um, I think that just having that asset will provide more dividends and not. Would you rather have Teddy at 15 or Mariota at 12 and a half? Oh, Mariota, easily, easily. Who, who are your free agents? So my free agents... Oh man. Um, I wrote Taron Armstead as number one. I doubt he gets to the open market. So in his place, I've got Joseph Notebloom who played right tackle for the Rams. And then uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Oh man. I'm going to go with Randy Gregory. Okay. I like it. Giving it, trusting him to, to keep his act together. I mean, he's played really well. It's just a matter of, can he not get in trouble? Yeah, I, I think that's it. Just you look at the ceiling. I think you can kind of get him on a little bit of a discount and like incentive load that deal because of his history. Uh, so it can be team friendly in that regard. And then if he does manage to hit and bring it all together, I think you just have a really good football player. Him, Reed and Chubb, I think is a damn good threesome at edge. Yep. I like it. Do I do draft picks now? Yeah. Okay. Then um, again, I wrote KT down as number one. That's just kind of like the dream. But instead, I wrote, I put a um, Sauce Gardner just because I took Randy Gregory in free agency. I would have taken Ojabo if I didn't. So Sauce Gardner is my guy, and then my second guy is actually going to be Kyron Williams, the pass catcher and running back out of Notre Dame. Oh, okay, so you're you're running it back with Teddy and Drew. I mean, I well, here's the <laughs> thing. I figure if they're going to get it, it's going to. 
we talked about this. Did you guys do like the blockbuster deal with your players at all? I didn't. No. No. Okay. So well, that's kind of not with quarterbacks. No. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I figured the quarterback position would be fixed in Denver is a big deal, uh, whether it's trade or some kind of acquisition. So that's why I left quarterback out. Okay. Uh, this is my pipe dream, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my pipe dream. Yeah. It was uh let's, hang on, let's I want to change how we're doing this just slightly though, because I think doing the whole plan kind of kills the the debate a little bit. So do, sure? okay. Yeah, give, give me your give us your Broncos free agents and your NFL free agents, then save the the draft stuff and then we'll come back around to it and we can okay. talk about Jake's again and just kind of come back into it. But so uh I I narrowed it down. I'm if if I'm picking two, I'm only really interested in Kareem, Melvin, and Josie. And it's figuring out which of those two are worth getting. And I played around with a bunch of different combinations um, of like these guys and free agents and draft guys and all that stuff. I think the one that I like the best, bring back Melvin, give him his like $6 million or $8 million on a one-year deal. Why not? Or whatever, two-year deal and you front load it. Um, And bring back Josie because that just solidifies a linebacker position. You'd no longer have a hole there. Um, free agency. I went with JC Jackson, just back up the truck for JC Jackson, back up the truck for Tyron Matthew. All of a sudden you've replaced Kareem. That's a incredible secondary. You can afford it if you only bring back those guys. And, uh, we'll get to who I drafted with that combination later, but, um, no, go ahead. I was wrong. Just go okay. ahead. And yeah. so then I, uh, I went with, uh, tackle in the, in the first round. Hopefully that's okay. uh like Equonu or I mean one of those top three is probably there. Um, the dream is to get the best one, I guess. Um, so you patch that up and then Ritter at forty. It would be the the All next right. one. And then I'm addressing the edge with like Drake Jackson or Nick Benito or whoever at sixty four um, is still there. Not bad. I like that. It's nasty, I, right? Like, well, you get J.C. Jackson, Tyron Matthew with Sertan and Simmons. Like, there's a strength. Front seven, you don't really upgrade, but I mean, Josie so coming back is is solid. That's that's I guess my only real issue is your with yours is why'd you pick Josie over AJ? Um, just because I feel like he adds something. I really like him when he's tackling. I really like mm-hmm. him going forward. I think he can kind of be like the the driver of that defense when they're in base. I think that AJ might have, honestly, AJ might not even have the the coverage skills that Josie does. Like Josie has figured out how to maximize what he has. And AJ, I guess maybe he's a little bit better tackler, more of a mauler. Um, but I, I think that Josie being like the green dot guy, I like that a little bit better. But that was like the first decision, okay. obviously, because like I said, I narrowed it down to three. Like the toughest part was Josie or AJ. But once you figure out which one's better, then you just run with it. Right. Would you go AJ? Uh, he was the, the other guy I considered. So it was okay. Kareem, Teddy, and AJ. Those were the guys I was deciding between. I just think that AJ, I mean, I do, I do kind of see what you're saying now with Josie. I just feel like AJ, when it's all said and done, provides more value just because I like, I really like how he comes downhill. And I think that he makes more of an impact as a blitzer and in the run game. And I just think that that's, it's kind of like a short-term move with the line, with these linebackers, I think. And I just think that AJ would be the better short-term move. I'm down. I think my thing is you just got to get one of them. So in your three, four defense, you have one of them on the field. You have Baron Browning next to him. You figure out the, the outside guys, probably Malik Reed and uh, Chubb at this point, assuming they're healthy. And then that's a solid group. And if one of those other linebackers can knock Josie out or knock AJ out, that's great. And if not, then you really address it next year. In this scenario, so then, there's another one where I say draft a linebacker and whatever, but yeah. Right. So then Green. is Desmond Ritter your starting quarterback week one in this scenario? Uh, ooh. I'd say it's 50 50. I mean, he'd be competing with Drew. I think mm-hmm. he absolutely would be by the end of the season. I think it just depends on what he looks like. I think he's probably the most NFL ready of, of all these quarterbacks. I think that what you look at the flaws, again, just driving the ball accurately to the outer parts of the field. That's not something that you're going to fix, right? Like you're not going to get better at that just sitting on the bench. So I think, uh, yeah, I'd probably bet on him to, to start week one. Interesting. I like your team. More NFL ready that. than Pickett? 
That, I mean, I, I guess that's probably the conversation. Unless you want to get into like yeah. Malik Willis with the running ability, you could run triples. Uh, but I, I mean, I think this it's between the, those two. This is just the QB conundrum of 2020, though. We're just going to keep going in circles, asking these same questions. If well, Pickett's like, still there, you could, 40, you could throw a wrench in and say Howell's the most NFL ready with right. what he does <laughs> exactly. best in off the play action, and like if you yep. schemed it up right, but. I, yeah. I, I get what you're saying, and I'm not trying to be argumentative. Totally. I, just, I was curious. Yeah. It's just like reading the field, making multiple decisions on one play. It's something Desmond Ritter's done. He's been a part of a really good program. He, I mean, I think he his impact on what happened at Cincinnati gets super underrated. Um, but I do think he's just so sharp. You could plug him in. And maybe those other guys could too. Uh, the petty side of me really loves taking Tyron Matthew from the Chiefs too. That's I mean, fun. that's what happens in the AFC West. Like it's been right. going on for decades. Like Bill Romanowski, mm-hmm. uh, Neil Smith, like all these mm-hmm. guys for forever. Obviously, Chris Harris recently, same offseason. Like if Tyron Matthew doesn't go back to the Chiefs, I would be willing to bet money he stays in the AFC West. Raiders for sure too. Raiders for sure too. But I mean, I'd be willing to give him money. It's going to be expensive though. Like Harrison Smith got the four-year deal at like 17, 16, something like that million a year last year. So that's going to take him through his like age 35 or 36 season or something. So I'm not even sure you could get it done short term unless you're the chiefs, but I'd be willing to to take a swing there. Do the same thing on JC Jackson. You'd just be so dope in the secondary, even better than last year, much better than last year. You'd rather commit that than a team friendly deal for Kareem. Uh, yeah, I it just gives you, you, you have the money to spend like, like I'd rather do that than just have an extra 20 mil to be like, yeah, you know what, Steven Weatherly, you come back. And uh Kenny Young, we'll snag you too. And I guess like a lot of this guys. is QB dictated, right? Like it, it's it sure really depends is. on if we're spending a ton of money on, on Aaron Rodgers or not. That would change See, the equation a little bit. So that's kind of how I factor mine in. I figured you kind of go like your most expensive player in my list would have been Teddy. Like, I don't think that unless you get like Taron Armstead on the open market, which I don't think will happen, I think. Mm-hmm. The Saints will swoop in or tag him or something, but like Note Bloom is a guy that uh, I think that you know he may comp- command a, a pretty hefty salary, but I don't think it's going to be top of the market. And then Randy Gregory too. We've already mentioned like with all the off-field stuff and everything. Jordan Whitehead was another guy I had in there, uh, safety from the Bucks, yeah. a guy who could be a good impact player that probably wouldn't command top dollar. Cam Robinson, if you wanted to to invest, yeah, like he's probably pretty expensive, but he's on my list too. What do you have, Justin? I, I will give mine, and Cam Robinson's a good tease because he's on my list. But that's real why quick, I didn't want to take anything Fast-acting, dissolvable, clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Ripple starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time with Ripple dissolvables. You can make anything inedible. It's flavorless. It's a dissolvable powder. It's quick. It's convenient. It is the shit. It's pretty much the most convenient way to get the fastest THC experience. You can just pour it on your tongue if you want to. But uh, when I tried it, I put it in iced tea, watched the the new Spider-Man movie, had a dandy old time. No sketchy nice. science here. <laughs> Ripple's speed and absorption were studied at CSU, go Rams, in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people, and the results were published in a peer-reviewed journal, Science. Colorado's premier dispensary, Lightshade, is where you can find it. They have 10 locations around the Denver metro and Aurora area. They offer something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. They have a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. What's great is our listeners get 25% off all non-sale items with the code DNVR. Shop at lightshade.com for pickup. Find the closest location near you. 25% off with the code DNVR, guys. You can get an ounce there for like 60 bucks. It is insane. It is High quality products. Everything they do is the best, including Ripple. Again, really made me enjoy that Spider-Man movie even more. It's all emotional. Toby Maguire comes out from like spoilers, nostalgic in my child. It's been out. The movie's been out for like I couldn't even believe it was still in theaters. It was like out at Christmas, but yeah, Kim um, Kardashian like posted that like five days after it released. My girlfriend was so pissed. I was like, that's that's wrong. That's what you get. I would have never said this four months ago, but like I said, I was, I couldn't believe it was even still in theaters still. <laughs> Say what you want about Kim. Great taste in men. 
Pete Davidson right, doing gonna, a lot of the work. No, I'll we're, add we're that. not doing this. I'll add that. <laughs> oh, this is great. We, we turned into the, the E Entertainment podcast. I love it. Mm-hmm. Dude, Pete Dre Davidson. would murder Ooh, us. That's my right guy. Um, <laughs> I like Pete Davidson woman. too. All right. You're, you're pulling me into a whole different side conversation here. Go Could watch the, the King of Staten Tom. Island. Um, in, in my plan, the Denver. What'd you say? Reggie Bush. <laughs> what is what a list? Oh man, good for you, Kim K. Never stop trying. Go ahead, Justin. Um, go get us back on topic, please. Yeah, we we we're way off the rails here. I like I said originally, I wasn't factoring in restricted, unrestricted, which is silly because I do think Malik Reed will be back. He's 25 years old, 13 sacks, 11 tackles for loss, 25 QB hits of the last 30 games. His numbers were were more impressive than I think I realized, but these last couple of years, just without frustrating, they've been, I think at times it's, it's easy to forget how good some of these guys have been at times, at least individually. Um, my top priority Broncos free agent. It's probably Teddy too. Now that I think about it, but I would rather bring in Mariota at like 12 million and, Sign Melvin Gordon at like five to seven and a half million per year. I do think you need another running back. If you don't bring Melvin back, I think you are in Jake's conversation where you then draft one. They might draft one anyways. I would bring back Kareem. I'd bring him back on a team deal. In my notes, I just put team-friendly deal, great leader, still playing good ball. Um, I mean, he's just a valuable member of that secondary and I think that him and, and Simmons have a really nice rapport together. And I think that's under underrated at times. Some You can put two talented safeties together. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to play well together. These two actually do really balance off of each other nicely. Off of that, going into NFL free agency again, if they didn't bring back Teddy, I guess my top free agent would be Marcus Mariota. Uh, go get a veteran QB. I still think you draft a quarterback in that scenario, and I'll get into that in a sec. Um, my my second free agent would then be JC Jackson. Obviously, just I think he's probably the best free agent on the market right now, at least off the top of my head. Um, they couldn't get him, and they didn't bring back Melvin Gordon. I'd be a little bit intrigued by Cordero Patterson, but I do think he he's probably a guy that's going to get like ten million a year after what he did last year, and that's. Think you could probably get Melvin for a couple million less, and at that point, I'd rather just bring back Melvin. Mm-hmm. Um, NFL draft wise, they're going to take Devin Lloyd at nine if they have the opportunity, or Ahmad Gardner, but I don't think he's going to be there at nine. At forty, I would take—I hate to say it—I want to say Trey McBride so desperately because I just <laughs> want him to be in Denver um, so bad. So, like, if they do it, I don't even care. I'll just—I'll be so excited. I, I would hope for Malik Willis at, at 40. Mm-hmm. There's a chance. There's a chance. That's a it's a solid group. I'll say that Marcus Mariota loses kind of the sexy factor. Um, but I mean it is probably responsible. Like, what are the odds that go into the draft with just Drew Locke and Brett Rippon? Like they seem pretty slim. Right. Yeah. And like we said, we've t- kind of talked about him quite a bit recently, but Mariota of all the guys that are free agents, like mm-hmm. Of course, like, you know, Teddy, I feel like is just more valuable just because he's more valuable to other teams. And he's obviously already familiar with the staff, not with the staff, but like with the building and the the players that are playing around him and everything. I just think that that's why I focused him. But man, Mariota, out of all the open market guys, he really interests me. And I think that, you know, we've talked about it before, man, these kind of like second chance quarterbacks. He's next on the list, I think, of a guy that can kind of come in and I mean, maybe do what Tannehill did to him to someone else. So it's just so hard to commit that money to those guys. Like to me, like if you're gonna go get, uh, go get a Teddy. I mean, you could get like Anthony Barr and like Eric Ebron too. And then all of a sudden, your tight ends room is stabilized. That works itself out. However, Anthony Barr is like a perennial Pro Bowler, and you get him for a couple years, kind of late in his career. There's just so many good players that if you're giving that much money to a quarterback. It'd just be really disappointing. Go get Cam Robinson. Like it might turn out to be kind of like the uh who's the tackle from the Raiders, British guy? Menelik Watson. It might be kind of oh, yeah. like the Menelik Watson deal where you're just like, oh, that was a terrible decision. But I don't I don't mind taking a chance there when you have kind of the rest of the line figured out. See if you can solidify that. There's just so many good free agents that 
giving money to a quarterback would kind of be a waste in my opinion. Robinson's going to get paid somewhere. He he probably like, yeah. he, he would be an expensive addition, but you can afford it. You have so much money because mm-hmm. there aren't many of these like, and many of these free agents you need to bring back. That's the, a good point. What Justin said about Cordero Patterson, though, has me pretty intrigued in the moment yeah. because we've kind of talked about how they really need that pass-catching backfield weapon, and he showed last year that he could really do that. Um, most importantly, running the ball. He's an actual threat as a running back, which I think changes this scenario a lot. Um, I mean, you also – you're kind of an underrated aspect of this, too. You're losing Deontay Spencer, so you're in need of a returner also. So, I mean, I know it's kind of – it'd be pretty expensive to pay Cordero Patterson just to be like your returner and like third down back because especially considering he hasn't really gotten paid all throughout his career. He's probably looking to, to cash yeah. a big check here. And that's what worries me is. And, and I, I hope he does, you know, he, he was one of the cool stories in the NFL this past year. I hope he does get paid, but he would be a fun guy. I didn't even factor in the return game with that. I would be more willing to pay him, you know, that like 10 million. But like I said, I think you could probably, Especially if, if you're willing to give Melvin Gordon two years, I think you could probably get him back at like six million annually. Yeah, definitely. But I do think like in terms of fit, do you need like another bell cow with Javante? Probably not. They're going to get hurt. And the thing with the Broncos this year is like the reason I have no interest in Bryce Callahan is that you just know he's going to miss four or five games. This is a Broncos team that cannot afford to not be at its best at any point. Like there's other teams where it's like, even I was saying this last year where it's like, okay, Javante ramp him up in November, December, get him ready for the playoffs. That's when he takes all his big carries, but lighten the load early on so that he doesn't have too much tread on tires. No, you just need to be at your very best every single week. And that's why it's like Bryce Callahan. That's our argument King, for Melvin, right? Give me, so give that me Kevin you can King. lessen that load on Javante and, and not have him have to be a 30 carry per week type guy. Mm-hmm. And Cordero, like Cordero Patterson just fits so well. Like you, you sub him in on third downs. You could probably play him a little bit together. You figure out how to flex him out into the slot occasionally. It'd be just like a nice piece to add. And so, like like, Jake said, he can run between the tackles. Like early in the year, I thought it was going to be more of just kind of like a gimmick thing. You know, they're doing swing passes and screens, and and he did do a lot of that. But he also just kind of like put his nose down and ran really hard between the tackles. And he had good vision. He was shiftier as a running as a running back than I would have expected, at least based on his like receiver days with Minnesota, but he feels like one of these weird guys has just kind of been misused. And finally, because coaches are a little bit more willing to, to shift the boundaries of what these players are supposed to be. He's finally getting an opportunity to shine. We still haven't brought up Vaughn yet, but Vaughn was really big on my list Uh, of free agents. I mean, cause he, when you're, when you're lacking pass rush and you just need somebody to rush the passer for a year or two, while you figure things out, tough to do much worse. And again, like you look at the willing to pay Vaughn though. That, and that's, that's the big question is like yeah. he could wind up with $25 million. He could wind up with 12 and nothing would really surprise me. I was, the last list I looked at had him as the top free agent, JC Jackson, number two. So it's, it's definitely something worth keeping an eye on. You wouldn't want to pay that big number to him. But if there's a world where you can add him at like $12 million a year or something, it'd just be incredible. And there's so many good free agents. Like I really think if the Broncos are bringing back their own guys, and I don't think that'll be the case, like new coaching staff, Peyton didn't add just about all of them. I really don't think we're going to see many retain. They're going to get some big names. They're absolutely going to get some big names. So the Vaughn thing is, yeah, I definitely considered him on my list too. It's it's a weird situation though, because I think, I mean, I, I don't know the guy. I have no idea what he's thinking, but I'd like to think that after he had the success from the trade this year, went and won the Super Bowl, why wouldn't Von Miller just kind of continue being like a mercenary? Like you look at these teams with all this cap space, um, Bengals, Seahawks, Steelers, Browns. Uh, I mean, the list, there's just so many guys. Chiefs even have some space. Why wouldn't he just go like ring hunting and try and, you know, keep on collecting rings? Cause I think he's in a position right now where, you know, he could kind of just chase that big money, but he's made so much money in his career. I think that now, I, 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 again, I have no idea, but I'd, I'd imagine the focus maybe shifted a bit more towards ch- winning and championships and money at this point. Or and maybe I, he just wants to come home and finish exactly. his career. I mean, that too. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it depends on how long he anticipates on, on playing, right? Like if he still thinks he has five years, you know, three, four or five years, 
I think Jake's right on. I think if it's, he's like, you know, I'll probably play two, three more years. I think it makes more sense to come back home, basically just be the face of the city, you know, that him and, and Jokic and McKinnon, you know, they're just all beloved here. Like he'll, I don't know. There, there's some value in that, especially like For sure. going from city to city and he's a popular player. So it's not like he's a nobody, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's 50, 50, the whatever he's thinking because i mean he did make it clear multiple times like he didn't want to be traded like even yeah. super bowl week and this wasn't the first time he said i wish i was still in denver like i mm-hmm. i would rather and i think when he's saying all that you've got to kind of take his word for it cuz he has a new fan base to appeal to like it's not like it's the politically correct answer so i do think there's a real chance he just does want to come back and that doesn't mean he's taking like a huge hometown discount but i do think that if, if there's similar offers that come in, um, the Broncos one is going to get pushed up to the top and a contender's offer is going to get pushed up to the top. I think there's a real chance he comes back. Another day, How would I, you I feel about two about, years, 32? Yeah, I mean, they have the money to spend. And he's That's, a, a freak player. I, I'd be okay with that. I'd be excited about that. Yep. But like Hassan Reddick, that's the other direction you could go. A guy who's had like mm-hmm. 11 or 12 sacks the last couple of years. And he's not just like a pure pass rusher. He does some different things. Giving him like a three, four year deal and right. more in his prime might make more sense. I'm just really excited. You got a bar. I think he could be a good guy you could bring in and on the yeah. edge. Yeah. There's there's so many options. Emmanuel Ogba puts up really good numbers, but kind of gets underrated. There's, there's so many Chandler good Jones. players. The Broncos are going to get some. The counter is you could also just like draft one of the seemingly 10 pro edges that are coming Mm -hmm. out this year and just like, mm -hmm. and in that case, you go get Anthony Barr. Good point. Or Jason Jackson. It's going to, it's, it's fun to have all the possibility. I will say it would be so nice to finally just get this quarterback shit solidified and be able to like, actually visualize a plan because at this point until they figure out the quarterback it's really kind of mute you know because it's like that's where all your resources are going to go that's what's going to dictate if they're successful or not that's what's going to dictate you know how desirable they are for for free agents but um yeah i don't know we've got a question here that that we'll wrap up with before we hit the road we're going to keep it a little bit shorter since we already broadcasted once but hank looks like he has something to say i'm about to go to the website and find the question well i mean the question was basically like what do you think of caleb ellaby right yeah so i went and watched a couple of games um I, man i think it was the pit game that i watched and i don't know i think i'm gonna sound a bit like a broken record but just this class so many guys are just in this mold and caleb ellaby fits right into this just like Kind of slender built, has a decent arm, but mostly just an RPO quarterback. And it's just, it's, I see why people could kind of gravitate to him and why he would have some sort of following in the draft community. But if we're talking like starting quarterback in the NFL, franchise quarterback, it's, it's quite a stretch for me. I mean, you don't see many guys past day three really kind of make it. And I don't think Gallaby is the talent to really sneak into day two. Yeah. And, I, I think the the one thing you could like is that he's so young, and well, honestly, my my first thought was like, well, why don't you just stay in school? Like, if you're the Western Michigan right. quarterback with with this sort of take, like, why don't you stay in school? But I also think that when you're running that sort of offense and you don't see him, I I think if I'm an NFL team, I would much rather have him in my program for two years than in Western Michigan's program for two more years, and then you add him. And so I do right. see how I, I'm not sure if he's like 20 or 21 right now, but at the very least, like he is a developmental guy. And, and so you, you recognize that what he is in the future is not all that much like what he is now. It's just whether you really want to go through that process. And I think, I mean, for a team like the Broncos, if, if you do wind up with Mariota and, and uh, Drew Locke and you decide none of those other quarterbacks are good values, maybe four or five go in the first round, you, you don't like who's left at 40, then yeah, like as, as a third quarterback to bring in, go ahead, throw a fifth, uh, throw a sixth round pick at him, see if he can figure something out. But yeah, I, I'm with you. There's not, I'm not spending much time thinking about Caleb Ellaby after this. 
if if the fate of the Broncos comes down to Caleb Ellaby, we're in big trouble, guys. Chad Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> we just like Chad Kelly all over again. Kyle Sloter hype. I mean Trevor <laughs> Simeon. There's yeah. a seventh rounder who actually oh, the fate did come down to him. Aren't we good? I'm good. Alrighty. Well, then uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, my name is Jake Schwan. It's for Justin Michael, Henry Chisholm. We'll be back next week recapping the combine. I think we're going to get back into position groups too. A um, lot more meat on the bone for us uh, moving forward in draft season. So we'll talk to you then.